Jesus saw things that we didn't see. Tonight, I'm going to just talk a little bit. I, I, I really, I, I hope I could convey to you what I'm feeling in my spirit this evening. But I wish that the Lord would anoint my eyes so that I could see through the eyes of Jesus. If I could just look the way he looked at things and the way that, that uh, he thought about things. I'm going to give you several scenarios here this evening and, and talk about them just a little bit of, of what men saw but what Jesus saw. And uh, I, 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 want us to, I want us to adjust our vision. Let me tell you something. Church is important. People are important. Because this is not just people. We are living souls that are going to spend eternity somewhere. And we better understand that every day. When you walk through your job, every person on your job will spend eternity somewhere. Amen. Your family is going to spend eternity somewhere. And so we, we have to be cognizant of the fact that every day the people we see, and we may get used to seeing the same ones, and we may travel the same roads over and over, but could we tonight ask the Lord to just perhaps let us see through the eyes of Jesus? He saw different than his disciples saw. Let me give you a, a prime example. The Bible said in Matthew 26 and 6, when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, they ca there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of precious ointment and poured it on his head as he said it me. Now notice the next verse. It said, but when his disciples saw it, their vision, here's what they saw, a waste. The Bible said they had indignation, saying, to what purpose is this waste? This ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. And when Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor with you, always with you, but me ye, ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. What he's saying was, you are looking at the, the cost of the perfume. You're looking at, at how much you could sell it for. And that's the carnal side of it. But what you don't understand is that this woman is a worshiper. And this woman doesn't care about the cost of the costly ointment. She wants to worship me. And what he did not, what they did not see was the heart of a worshiper. But Jesus said, because of what she's done, it's going to be a memorial. Everywhere the gospel is preached, 
it's going to be preached about this woman because she anointed my body for my burial and it was true worshipers. What other people don't see as worship, God sees as worship. This is why the woman that brought two mites gave more than the whole crowd in the temple that day. Jesus said, it's not what you have to give, it's what you have left to give. Amen. I'm telling somebody on this Wednesday night that the Lord Jesus Christ honors people that give their very best in worship to him, and he never sees it another way. You say, well, pastor, you know, that's just for show. It wasn't for show. He looked into her heart. That's just so some, everybody could see her. Let me tell you something. Don't you ever criticize a worshiper. I don't care how ignorant you think they are. I don't care, pardon this vernacular today, I don't care how stupid you think it is. Let me tell you, I've watched people walk and kneel. I've watched people jump up and down. I've watched people dance in the spirit. But every one of them were worshipers. And you can't dictate what people give in worship. This woman, she, she brought an alabaster box of precious ointment. I don't know what it was worth. I don't care what it was worth. But here's what I do know. She just poured it over the head of Jesus because she said, I want to anoint him with something that's special to me. Let me tell you, God wants your hand clap. He wants your foot stomping. He wants your praise. He wants you to give your very best. And he doesn't want us to criticize worshipers. Somebody shout hallelujah. I'm glad to have Billy and Gail Brown back. I can tell you that. Glad you're here. Hallelujah. Back in Monroe. The disciples, they saw, they saw another scenario different. They saw something different. The Bible said in Mark 5, a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. We all know this story. We've, we've been taught it. But she had it, had suffered many things of many physicians Notice what she'd done. She spent all that she had was, and, and was nothing bettered but grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and she touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, Jesus, whew, I love this, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about and the press and said, who touched my clothes? Who touched my clothes? Watch what happened. And his disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging thee. And, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But when the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth, he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now, now watch this. The Bible said 
the disciples looked around and said, thou seest. In other words, we're looking at what you're looking at, Jesus. There's a lot of folks around you today. There's people pushing and shoving, trying to get in here to hear what you're saying. Hey, everybody's touched you. A lot of folks have touched you. But notice what Jesus did. He looked round about. He, he turned around and said, no, 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 no. I don't see what you see. Somebody touched me with faith. Somebody touched me that needed an answer. Somebody touched me that was hungry for a touch of God. Oh, how many times have I been in a good old red-hot Pentecostal service while some folks are getting baptized with Holy Ghost fire and you look around, there's somebody. Or somebody. Bored to tears. What are you talking about, Jesus? He said, I'll tell you what I'm talking about. I know when faith is in action. And he turned around and of all the people he saw, he looked right at her because he understood that faith was in her. Ladies and gentlemen, we can't see what God can see. When somebody presses to touch his garment, we better let him press. When somebody says, Lord, I need a touch from you, we better hear what they're crying. Somebody ought to hear me on this Wednesday night. We have to see what Jesus sees. When people walk in our doors, they're despondent, they're broken, they're hurt, they're in pain, their life's miserable, they're addicts, they're drug addicts and alcoholics and, and people that have been to the the depths of sin. Why can't we see what God sees? Instead of saying, Woo, stay away from them. They, you know, no, 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 no. Let them touch Jesus because Jesus will heal them because of faith. Somebody ought to clap your hands and shout hallelujah. I'm here to tell you right now, we need the eyes of Jesus tonight. We need the eyes of the Lord. We need to hear what he's saying to us this evening. Look, look like I look. Look at them the way I look at them. I wonder sometime if we're not guilty of sizing people up. Well, you know, they're, they're not going to make it. You don't know if they're going to make it or not. Well, they're really, you know, they, they don't really know. That's not much to them. You don't, you don't know that. God can take a pauper and make a millionaire. God can take a man that's sick and down and despondent and turn him into a fireball for the Lord Jesus Christ. He can take the, the sinner that his life has been wrecked and ruined and he's at the bottom of the barrel and God can pick him up and set him on the mountain. Let me tell you, I read the book and the book said that he can pick you up and, and put you up or he can also put you down. He can take care of it either way. I'd rather God be picking me up I'd rather God be picking folks in the church up. I'd rather God be doing something mighty among the church of the living God. I'm preaching to you on a Wednesday. Lord, give me your eyes and let me see men the way you see them. Ha! Huh. Fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, she came and fell before him. When he looked around, she, she just said, it was me. I, I confessed. And he said, thy faith hath made thee whole. Twelve years, an issue of blood. Twelve years, sickness. Twelve years, doctors. Spent everything she had. The Bible said she spent all. 
and she got no better. But if we'll just see what Jesus saw. Let me tell you, when somebody walks in this church, listen to me right now, and I, I welcome anybody that's watching on the Internet. This is not a church for the elite. This is a church for everybody. This is not a church if you got a bank account. This is a church for everybody. We are, the motto of this church has been for the last 25 years, a place of worship for all people. We welcome every creed, every color, every race, every class. We, we welcome everybody to this church because everybody is important to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you think you're going to get to heaven and the rich folks going to be on one side and the poor folks going to be on the other side, you are in for a rude awakening. If you think you're going to get to heaven and the black folks going to be on one side and the white folks going to, you are in for a rude awakening. Brother, we are the children of God and this is the house of God and what we're going to do is we're going to welcome whosoever will. That's what Jesus said, whosoever will. If you want it, God's got it for you. Hallelujah. Woo, I feel Holy Ghost fire. Y'all didn't let me preach Sunday so I'll just take it out on you on Wednesday night. Amen. Here's another one. You ready? Now, now the Lord loved the worshiper and he loved the woman with faith that was in need of a touch. But in Luke 10, I told you I was going to give you several here. In Luke 10, in verse 38, the Bible said it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. When the beans are gone and when the roast is over and when the light bread or the rolls or the biscuits or the cornbread are all eaten, Mary has it figured out and not you, Martha, because in my eyes what you're doing is just fixing a meal and you're worried about a lot of stuff but don't you got to quit worrying about the stuff. You got to get down where Mary's at because she's sitting at the feet of Jesus worshiping the one true God. Could I tell you on this Wednesday night, it is more important to God that we become worshipers and we sit at his feet and we give him our best than to cook him the finest meal and to bring to the table the best things that we could bring physically. Oh God, let us see what Jesus sees in Martha and Mary. He said, Martha, you are cumbered about. You got a lot of stuff on you you need to get off. Can you hear those two sisters? I mean, Martha's going. Trying not to be so obvious. I need help. You could at least go. 
Well, not know. You've had a sister or brother. Jesus said, and finally, finally, Martha evidently just took her case to Jesus. And she vocalized, look what she's doing. I'm trying to get dinner fixed. What's more important to us, dinner or Jesus? I wonder sometimes that about 1130, 1140 on Sunday mornings. You know what? Let me tell you what's more important, that we sit at his feet and we give him our very, very, very best. He's not worried about the other stuff. I could go on. Let, let, me, let me just preach a little bit. The Bible said in Mark 10, verse 46, they came to Jericho. Boy, I love this story. And as he went out of Jericho and his disciples, a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they charged him that he should hold his peace. Who is they? The disciples. They said, hey, you got to be quiet. Jesus is trying to teach the multitude. You're going to have to hush. But he cried the more a great deal. Don't let me scare you. But this, it went something like this. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. For all you folks that want it dignified, it ain't going to happen. For all you folks that don't like for folks to get in the spirit, it ain't going to happen here. I just want to tell you that when a blind Bartimaeus shows up here, he is welcome to cry out, Jesus! Now, I wish you wouldn't be that way, Pastor. You need to be a little more dignified yourself. No, 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 no. Somebody cried, Jesus, thou son of David. And what? What they saw was a man that was interfering with what Jesus was doing, but that's not what Jesus saw. Let me show you something. The Bible said Jesus stood still. He heard him, and he called him and commanded him to be called, and they called the blind man, saying unto him, be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he casting away his garments, rose, came to Jesus, and Jesus answered him and said, he said unto him, what wilt that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately, not next week, not that evening, not two hours later, immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. You know why? Because Jesus Jesus saw something the disciples didn't see. They, Jesus saw a man that had enough faith to cry out over the whole crowd and say, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me. That's why, listen, I don't, I don't know how you feel, but that's why we'll shut a whole service down when somebody comes out and runs down here and says, help me, Lord. We'll stop the whole business for somebody that'll just cry out to the Lord. Could somebody help me on this, on this 
Wednesday night. I don't know where I got Friday. But somebody help me and say, Lord, I want to see what you see. If it's a blind man, if it's a Mary at your feet, if it's somebody that wants to worship you, if it's somebody that has had an issue for 12 years, God, let me see what you see. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. You remember that woman at the well? (laughs) Remember her? Came to Jesus. He sent his disciples on because he knew they'd be critical. (laughs) And he went out and met a woman at the well. She She wasn't a good woman. She had a pretty rough reputation. She had five husbands already and was living with one that wasn't her husband. Pretty rough little lady. Ain't many women that that didn't uh, have that kind of reputation, but she did. The Bible said, and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with a woman. (laughs) They They looked at him and said, what, what are you doing? Why are you talking to her? And they said, what seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? What, Lord, hey, come here, let me tell you something. Do you know who she is? Do you know what they're going to be saying about you in the city? You, you need, to, need to get away from her. You, come here, Jesus, do you really know her name? Do you know about her? Oh, he knew about her. He knew exactly what was going on. But they didn't see what he saw. Because Jesus saw through this woman a whole city turned around. Because when he got through with her, she rushed back into the city and said, you got to come see a man that told me everything about me. you got to come see what God is doing in my life. You see, the, the thing that we think the least of, God may think the best of. Why do you think God chose a, a, a man named Saul of Tarsus who was killing people that were preaching the name of Jesus Christ, who helped the cults of those that stoned Stephen, who was a persecutor of the, of the church? Why do you think God, look, if, if Peter and John and James and all the disciples would have, if they had said, well, let's go find somebody else to help us, I promise you Saul of Tarsus would have been the last guy on the list. As a matter of fact, when he came to God and he got his life straightened up, the, Jew, the, the people that were in the church did not receive him because they knew his past. And it took him years. He sat 13 feet, 13 years at the feet of Gamaliel, and he studied before he ever preached the first sermon. Let me tell you something. You may not see what God sees. You may not understand what God's doing. I've seen him grab somebody out of a pew that I didn't think was worth 15 cents. i got to be honest with you. And before it was over, with they were blazing evangelists or hot soul winners or people in the church that supported the kingdom of God. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter if they've got a speech impediment. It doesn't matter if they've got a lame limb. It doesn't matter if they don't have a dime to their name. What matters is Jesus sees them as a soul and somebody that can love him and serve him. 
Hallelujah. You see, the Lord never sees what we see unless we are spiritually awakened. And then we can see what the Lord sees. Because our physical, look, you, you got to admit this with me. We are the worst at calculating and sizing people up immediately when we see them. I don't like them. How you know? You never met them. Well, I just, we just, I just don't like the way they look. I don't like the way they talk. I don't like that whine in their voice. Don't you look at me that way. We're all the same. You, how many of you are honest enough to, to know that you've come in contact with somebody that before they had a chance to, to really do anything, you done sized them up, you didn't like them? Or perhaps it may be somebody you say, you know what, I like them. <laughs> well, just because you didn't like them don't mean the Lord don't. Not only... Not only people, but the church. I want us to see the church the way the Lord sees the church. Now, here's, here's where it gets sticky for us. We, uh, Brother Hodge, so capably the other night spoke about the Laodicean church, and I thought that was fantastic what you had to say. But Revelations 3.14, I'll just read a little something to you here. The Bible said, Unto the angel of the church of, Laodice of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. He said, I know thy works, thou art neither cold nor hot. And I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, Laodicea didn't look at themselves the way the Lord looked at them. And I want to prove that to you. Because here's what the Bible said in the verse 17 of chapter 3 of Revelation. He said, because thou sayest, I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, I have need of nothing. But, but that's what you see, Laodicea. You think you got it all figured out. You're rich. It's all about materialism. You're increased with goods. You don't have a need anywhere. So that's what you see. But I want to show you what the Lord said. And he said, and knowest thou not. You don't even know that you are wretched and you are miserable and you are poor and you are blind and you are naked. What you're seeing, Laodicea, is not what I'm seeing. That's what God said. What you are claiming, I'm here to tell you, is not the way it is. And then he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes. Do what now? Anoint thine eyes with eye salve. 
that thou mayest see. I can't tell you how many times I have asked God, and I'm not just saying this for a sermon. I have asked God if I could, I, I, I can't even count them, hundreds, perhaps thousands of times, I've said to God, Lord, anoint my eyes with the eye salve of the Spirit that I could see what you're seeing and that I could feel what you're feeling and I could look at it the way you're looking at it. Because he said, Laodicea, if you're going to get it right, you got to get a different look. You can't look the way you're looking. you got to look the way I'm looking. You see, the mirror tears, tells it all. That's why some folks don't like mirrors like me. I told somebody the other day I was taking a picture. I said, you know what I hate? I hate about pictures is they look just like me. That's what I hate about pictures. But the facts are this. When you look at yourself through the Word of God, it's not quite as pretty a picture sometimes as we like to make out like it is. I don't, I, don't, I don't believe for a minute that we're all bad people. And I don't believe for a minute that we, we all are, are sinners. But the Lord said this to Laodicea. He said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. I'm doing this and I'm telling you this because I love you. So he said, be zealous therefore, and here's what you need to do, repent. When a preacher preaches like I did a week and a half ago on a Sunday morning, it's not to make you mad. It's to make you pray. And I'm just going to say it. If I ruffled your feathers, and I did, I ruffled some feathers. And I'm paying the price. Not really. They're paying the price. But here's the deal. I had one gentleman say, in lieu of what you not in these words, but of what you preached, I don't think we'll be coming back. Well, honey, if me asking you if you love God more than you love the world offends you, I'll see you in the rapture. I'll see you at the judgment day. I won't see you in the rapture. I'll see you at the judgment day. Amen? When a preacher preaches to you what you need to do, it's not to make you mad or offend you, and I certainly didn't do anything because I was mad. Here's what I want you to understand. The Lord said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. And the Bible says he chastens those whom he loves. You believe that? Has anybody ever read the Scripture that said the Word of God is like a two-edged sword? that will go in and cut to the bone and to the mara? Has anybody ever read that? Has anybody ever cut their self to the bone? I have. Has anybody ever cut their self to the bone? Do you know how that hurts? That ain't a, a feel-good feeling. I'm going to tell you, it'll bring tears to your eyes. Well, the Lord said that's what the word of the Lord is. But he said, I want, you to, I want you to know what I'm doing is for your good. And so be zealous, therefore, and repent. 
And then he said, and Brother Hodge brought it out so beautifully, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, open the door. He'll open the door. He said, I'll come in to him and sup with him and he with me. Now, what is all that saying? That's saying, I wish the Lord would let Christian life see us the way he sees us. Are we preaching truth? Are we godly? Are we kind? Do we bear the fruit of the Spirit? Do we live by what we preach? Is there love and peace and joy and kindness and gentleness and meekness and temperance? You see, we, we and I believe in speaking with other tongues. I believe that. You know I believe that. I believe that's the initial sign of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But that's not the continuing evidence of the Holy Ghost. Because watch me now. I love you on the Internet. Watch me now. People can learn to speak in tongues and be a devil. I'm just wondering what God sees. You see, if we, if, if, if we go to jump up and down and, and worship God, it's not how high we jump, it's how we walk when we hit the floor. Got me? It, it's, it's not how much, look, I, I always want this church to be a tongue-talking church. I, I believe that. Anybody believe that side of me? I believe that. I believe the Lord, the Lord baptizes us with the Spirit, and there's times that, pardon me, we, we need to and we ought to, and we believe in speaking with other tongues. If you, well, here's what the Bible said. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, and that is love. If I don't have love, I'm a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. That's all I am. I'm just, I'm just spewing out stuff that don't amount to a hill of Kentucky wonder beans. So you hear, the, hear me tonight. The continuing evidence of the Holy Ghost is found in the book of Galatians, and it is the fruit of the Spirit. It's to know that God is working in you. If I got hate, I'm going to tell you God ain't pleased with me. If I got envy, God ain't pleased with me. If I got malice, God ain't pleased with me. I'm going to take a text one of these times, and I'm going to preach on the abominations of God because there's some things that God hates. There's some things that God can't stand. And I don't want to be in that place <clears throat> where God can't stand what I'm doing. There's seven things that God hates in the Old Testament. And, and one of them is he that causeth discord among the brethren. Don't you? I, I'm messing up a good sermon right here on a Wednesday night. But you better hear me. If, if you are sowing discord or anybody is trying to hurt the church of the living God, God literally hates it. So let us see what God sees. I might think I'm something special, but it's not what I think. And what the Bible said for a man, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. And he said, if a man thinks more highly of himself, take heed. Take heed, lest he fall. When you think you got it all figured out, when you think you got it all under control, when you think you got God in a corner, there's some folks that think that, that they got God and nobody else does. God didn't bring you in to be a judge. He brought you to be a witness. 
And I'm going to tell you what God's looking at today is the inside of us and the outside of us and every bit of us so that he could judge us right and righteously. And I'm here to tell you right now, we need to ask him, Lord, let me see myself. Let me see my brother. Let me see the one in need. Let me see the church in general the way you see it. Well, I'm closing. If I could just see through the eyes of Jesus. Don't you wonder sometime? Look, my flesh, I have bad flesh. I know you probably don't, but I do. I wrestle with this stuff all the time. Anybody else? (laughs) Anybody want to say a few words that, Probably wouldn't be real kosher to Jesus when some things happen in your life. Sometimes do. Some of us are like the old boy that couldn't crank his lawnmower. I know you know the story. Crank, crank. His neighbor stood over there and watched him. He pulled his arm. It was just about out of joint. The old boy said, can you want me to crank that lawnmower for your neighbor? He said, yeah, I sure do if you know how. As a matter of fact, it was a preacher pulling on the lawnmower and trying to crank it, and he couldn't get it cranked. Neighbor said, let me pre- preacher, let me, let me crank that for you. He said, if you think you can, here. He pulled it a couple of times. It didn't crank, and he got mad. He kicked that thing. He let out a whole string of words that we won't talk about here. And the preacher reached back down there and pulled that lawnmower one time, and it went said, Preacher, I hate to tell you this, sometimes you just got to cuss these things. And the preacher said, you know what, out loud too. We've all been there, hadn't we? Out loud. But the facts are, we we can't let things get to us. And, and disorient us. We just have to say, Lord, now I don't understand that, but you got it. I don't, under, I don't see it, Lord, but you see it. I can't get my grip on that, but you got it. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Did you hear me? I said the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. They're not haphazard. They're not things that just come by happenstance. Man, I'll I, I tell you, I, I still got a lot of preaching me, and I'm going to quit right now. But I want the Lord to anoint our eyes in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Ghost. You know, there's some folks that will, they can't be saved because they're too busy watching everybody else. Quit worrying about John and Sue and Joe and Jim and, and Debbie, and quit worrying about all the people around you. Quit worrying about them. Quit. That ain't your business. Well, I'll tell you one thing. They ain't got nothing. You don't know what they got. They may not look like Patty Pentecost, but they may pray three hours a day. I probably shouldn't have said that. But I did, and I ain't taking it back. Stop by what you see. You know what the Bible said? You 
Could I just tell you one more story? It's 750. I got time. Listen, there was a prophet that went to look for a king in Israel. And Eliab was, he was the guy of choice. All the brothers lined up. And Jesse said, okay, here's my boys. So, I, I, I mean, uh, Samuel said, well, bring your boys in here. And you got them all lined up. <clears throat> Kirk, if I wouldn't embarrass you, I'd call you up here and make you help me. But it'd be like me standing up against Kirk. How tall are you, Kirk? 6'4"? Yeah, against little old me. When he talks to me, I like to stand up here and him down there. Hey, Kirk, how you doing? When I go to pray for him, it's like this. But Jesse lines all his boys up, and here's Eliab. Eliab, he looks, I mean, he looks the part. He's probably 6'4", he's 6'5". I mean, he's, he's got it. He, he looks the part. Man, you could look up to him. He could be king. And uh, the Lord said to Samuel, he said, hey, Sam, not him. He said, I've already looked him over. He ain't kingship material. That's what he's whispering in Samuel's ear. And Samuel, he thought Eliab was the guy. And, and the Lord said, nah, I've already rejected him. Can you see it? Samuel turns around and he says, uh, Jesse, do you have any more boys? Oh, I, uh, I got one little boy. He's not who you're looking for. Where's he at? He's, well, he's out tending the sheep. I didn't call him in. He's, he's, he's tending the sheep. Go get him. And they brought him in. And he was Rudy. Just a kid, but tough as nails. He killed a bear. He killed a lion. He fought Goliath. His name was David. He became the best and the most notable king of all Israel, whom God said, he is the man after my own heart. Look the part? No. But he was. It's not what you look like. It's what's in here. You know what? You don't have to be tall in stature. You don't have to be, you don't have to be mighty in, in influence. You don't have to be somebody for God to use you. You just got to be willing to be used by God. Because what God sees, and I'll tell you what, he, this is where that scripture is at. You know, you know what the Lord said? He said, I've already rejected him, but he said, I want to tell you, this is in the word of the Lord. This is, you go read it for yourself. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh upon the heart. God can see where we can't see. And I've watched people walk in here that I didn't think was very interested that turned out to be some of the greatest people for God. I've watched people walk in that you, they didn't have great educations, but they became soul winners. They became on fire for God. It's not, it's not about who you are, what you got. It's what, what God's looking for is somebody that's just willing. And so if we could just get the eyes of Jesus, if we could just see what he sees, I'm telling you I could preach for another hour. I better quit. Let's stand. Mm.
Hallelujah. Don't you get tired of people judging and, and saying, oh, well, you know, so-and-so, you know, they've, they've been here before. They, they don't, you know. Come on. Jesus loves me. And Jesus loves you. And Jesus is in the people business. He's in the all people business. And he said in his word, whosoever will, let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. See, I could preach a little more because the Bible said don't bring them rich folks in, set them down front, push that poor guy back. What the Bible said. I didn't say that. The Lord said that. You can't, you know, you can't honor magistrates and kings and then let the pauper go to hell. You got to save everybody. You got to save every one of them. We give them honor where honor's due, but let me tell you, I don't care who it is. When they walk in here, they're no more important than the man in this room that don't have one ounce of education, don't have a dime to his name. He's just as important as a governor or a judge or a, or whoever. Just as important. 